the Jets' salary cap situation is not ideal. What are their options this offseason? We'll get into them today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, January 22nd, 2024, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoyed the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps us out, helps other Jets fans find the podcast. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, after an exciting weekend in the NFL playoffs, we now have our final four teams. It's the San Francisco 49ers, the Detroit Lions, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, the Jets want to be playing in that round in the future. And a key part of team building is managing your salary caps. Today, we're going to look at the Jets' salary cap situation because I'm not going to lie. Things are a little dicey right now for the Jets as it pertains to the cap. Now, I think there are a couple of misperceptions out there among NFL fans. You always hear this phrase in, in the in the NFL fandom that the cap is fake. I think this comes from when they look at teams like, I don't know, the New Orleans Saints, that you always hear reports that they're tied up against the salary cap, yet they end up not only get, getting cap compliance, but they, bring, they, they, they sign a key free agent every offseason. And that gives people the perception that, you know, salary cap's not that important. And, you know, it's, it's really... It's not, not not anything that can impact your team. And the reality is that that is not true. Now, it's true that it's very easy to get cap compliant in this league. There's always a move out there you can make to make sure you stay under the cap. And you have to be under the salary cap in the NFL. That's the reason the salary cap exists. There's never a team, there's never going to be a team that ends up over the salary cap. You know, that's, that's not going to happen. So in that sense, yeah, it, salary cap is not that big of a deal. It's also true that if there's like a key player, if there's a target player you want, somebody you really want to stretch for, somebody you really prioritize, you can usually find a way to keep them. You can usually maneuver a way to hold on to them. There's a perception, I think, that unless you have to like cut your core players, unless you have to cut like a, a star player, then your salary cap's in good shape. It's not really true, though. It's one thing to say, you know what, we can get under the cap. And it's another thing to say we can get this one player. It's still another to say we need to build a championship caliber team and building a team with enough good players that you can win a championship requires you to manage your cap effectively. And there are moments where maybe you go all in a little bit more. Maybe there are moments where maybe you push back a little bit, but you need to have a plan with your salary cap. And the New York Jets enter the offseason, frankly, in a rather precarious situation with the cap. They only have about $5 million in cap space, according to over the cap and that's not a lot, especially when you consider what the Jets need. In fact, over the cap estimates that the Jets will need more than $5 million just to sign their rookie draft class. So it speaks volumes about where the Jets are right now when they also need to sign two tackles. They probably need two receivers. They need some defensive tackle depth. They need to probably get a safety or two and probably depth of the other positions and also sign a practice squad. Jets are going to have to create quite a bit of cap space. And I think it's fair to say the cap has not been well run. Why do I say that? Well, the Jets are up against the cap. Now, 
where, where from where I come from, the teams that are really tight up against the cap, it should be because you have a really good roster. It should be because your team is just loaded on both sides of the ball and you have to fit everybody in. The Jets have a Super Bowl caliber defense. Their offense is awful. This team should have like maybe half of his cap filled. The defensive guys should be taking up a lot of cap space. Offensive guys, not so much. But that's not how it is right now with the New York Jets. And I think what we'll probably see this offseason, we're going to get to some candidates who the Jets could cut or trade in a bit. But I think you'll see more restructures and I think you'll see more void years added to contracts. So let's go through what that means. Now, the NFL cap can be very complicated. I think that's another reason people kind of scoff at its importance because it's tough. It's, it can be tough to understand, but it's not that hard when you boil it down to its most basic elements. And at the end of the day, the way the salary cap functions in the NFL is in the long run, every dollar you pay a player eventually counts against your salary cap. It's just the way you can structure it is you may not need to be, char- hit, be hit with the full charge right now. You can pay a player $5 million this year and maybe only $1 million counts against the cap. The other $4 million will hit your cap in future years, but you can structure a contract in a way that it limits the player's immediate cap hits and pushes a lot of them to the future. So that's that's essentially when we talk about a restructure. That's really what it means more often than not. Sometimes a player just takes a straight pay cut, and that actually does help a team. But when you hear a guy has restructured his deal, he's really it really just means that the team's pushing his cap hits to the future, and ultimately the bill comes due. And typically what happens is when a player is cut, all of that money, all the money he's been paid but hasn't counted against the cap, the bill comes due immediately. And that's what's known as dead money. Now, in recent years, we've seen this phenomenon come into the NFL, the quote-unquote void years. And I'll explain what that means. I'll try and, again, break this down to its most basic element. Again, you can pay a guy, you can pay a guy like $5 million this year and only be charged $1 million against the cap because you're pushing the other money to the future cap hits. What a void year is, is you can give a guy a five-year contract and you can say, this contract automatically voids on this date. So essentially, when you hear a void year, it means the player is automatically going to be cut. But for accounting purposes, the contract still exists. So it's still a five-year contract, which means you can stretch, which means you can push his cap hits over five years. I can give you, you know, I can give a guy $5 million this year, $1 million this year, and then $1 million in each of the next four years. But if the contract voids after the first season, the guys with the team, he's automatically cut and the other $4 million comes due immediately. So that's what a void year is. It's not like some magical thing. It's essentially, it just like means a player's automatically cut and his cap is whatever money has not been counted against the cap that's been paid to him. The bill comes due immediately. And you can see why that's not necessarily such a great approach with your salary cap. In fact, why is it not such a great approach with the salary cap? Well, let me give you a number. Because of void years, the Jets will have Carl Lawson, Dwayne Brown, uh, Jordan Whitehead, and Quinton Jefferson count about $16 million against their cap in 2024 when they're not on the team. So these are four guys who are gone, and they're going to count against the cap because the Jets used void years on their contract, essentially because the Jets did not want to pay them as much in 2020, or they did not want them to count as much against the cap in 2023. I hope this makes sense. But... I think the Jets are probably going to use more void years because it's become part of the team's operating procedure. And that becomes that makes it very difficult to project what the Jets are who the Jets are going to try and restructure because the Jets can just add void years to guys' contracts. And these guys get paid just as much. It's just in fact it's even better for them because the way these the way the payments usually work is they get more money up front. That's not really important for your purposes. But it pushes anyway, they just what it does it for all intents and purposes. It's like using the credit card. 
you pay less money today, but you pay more in the future. So I think the Jets will likely use void years. They'll restructure a lot of contracts because, again, they're entering the offseason only about $5 million in cap space. And again, their draft class is going to cost more than that. So you know that, the, that there will be some additional corresponding moves to get the Jets cap compliance to allow them to make a few moves this offseason because by all accounts, they still want to load up around Aaron Rodgers to the extent they can. It might be tough with this cap. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not sure they're going to be able to prioritize. I'm not sure they're going to be able to do everything they want to do, but they'll certainly do what they can, which means a lot more void years are coming. A lot more of this cap management will continue. Now, head to the Lockdown Jets podcast. We're going to turn our attention to players the Jets could just get rid of. There aren't a lot of obvious candidates the Jets could just cut to create cap space, but there are a few, and some of them might be difficult to cut. I'll explain why as we continue on this Monday edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by LinkedIn. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking himself the same question. What's the one move I can make that will take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn is not just another jobs board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Um, if you just heard what I told you about the guys who will count $16 million against the cap next year, I kind of wish the Jets would go to LinkedIn Jobs to find a new cap guy, but they probably won't. And you should know, again, small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering leading uh, quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and may not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Jets your first listen or first watch every day. And a big shout out to you, everydayers. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day through the week, Monday through Friday, and then bonus episodes as needed when major news breaks. Today, we're talking about the New York Jets salary cap situation. It's not a great situation. Look, the Jets are not the only team in the league with a bad cap situation, but it is what it is. The Jets will need to figure out ways to work around it this offseason. Now, the easiest way to create cap space is to cut players because contracts are not guaranteed in the NFL. So if you cut a player, you don't have to pay him, and typically money comes off the salary cap. And in past seasons, the Jets have had a lot of guys who were pretty obvious cuts because they would save the Jets a lot of money. They Usually usually their bad contracts save them a lot of money. Unfortunately for the Jets, because of all the restructures, they don't have a lot of guys they can cut now who would save them a lot of money against the cap. And some guys are actually playing pretty key roles on this team, which makes the evaluation process a little bit more difficult. Now, I think there's one guy who's a pretty obvious cut. And that's C.J. Uzama. And, you know, we saw this year, Uzama had a couple decent games while he was blocking, but he's not really an integral part of the team. He's the second tight end. Uh, it kind of felt like near the end of the season, even had he not been hurt, the Jets may have wanted to get Jeremy Ruckert into a bigger role. So Uzama, I think, would be a pretty painless cut. And cutting him would open up about $5.3 million in cap space. That's the good news. The bad news is that Uzama has about $6 million in dead money. And that's, again, because they restructured him last year. They pushed dead money to the future. You know, they, they lowered Uzama's 2023 cap hit, but they raised his 2024 cap hit. So even if the Jets cut him, they'll get cap relief. It's $5.3 million, but they still have $6 million in dead money. Uzama's still going to count $6 million against their cap this coming season because of, in part because of the restructure that they did a year ago. So 
I, that one's pretty obvious. I don't think that there's a lot of drama there. I think the Jets likely will cut Uzama. There are two other guys who are potential cap cut candidates, and I'm not sure the Jets will do it because the challenge is that for both of these guys, cutting them opens up a hole that they'll need to use some of the cap savings to fill. Now, one of them's Lakin Tomlinson. Lakin Tomlinson, if the Jets cut him, they'll save $8.1 million against the cap. But again, because they restructured him last year, a lot of dead money. Tomlinson, if the Jets cut him, still counts $10.74 million against the cap. And again, that's because they restructured him last year. They, they lowered his 23 cap hit, but they increased his 24 cap hit. They increased it so much that, again, he cost over $10 million, even, even if he's not here, even if he's not on the team. The other challenge with this is that, you know, it does create $8.1 million of cap space, but a good chunk of that's going to go to replacing him at left guard. I mean, that's that's just the way it is, because if you cut a starter, the, you know, that hole, that you open a hole, it has to be filled. Tomlinson has been a very big disappointment since the Jets have signed him from San Francisco. I don't think he's particularly good. I wonder how much of his success in San Francisco was just playing next to a future Hall of Famer in Trent Williams. The one thing you can say for Tomlinson, though, is that he has shown durability. You know, he has not missed time. And if you've watched the Jets' offensive line the last two years, that's no small thing. And the reason durability matters, even for a bad player, is you may say Lake and Tomlinson's not very good. And you'd be correct. But the thing is, you I think if you work under the theory that starters are better than their backups, even a bad starter is going to give you a higher level of play than, a ba- than their backup, you'd have to conclude that durability does matter. And durability is a plus because whoever's behind Tomlinson is uninspiring as he is and as bad of a value as he is, he's still probably better than whoever would step into the lineup behind him. Now, there's one caveat here. The Jets could conceivably go into 2024 with uh, Joe Tipman and Elijah Vera Tucker as their guards. Now, Vera Tucker could easily slide to tackle. Tipman might just stay at center. In fact, the Jets drafted him in the second round last year to play at center. So I'd say it's probably likely he sticks at center. But both, both of these guys, Vera Tucker and Tippmann, have shown promise at the guard position. In fact, I would argue Tippmann was better at guard than he was at center. So if the Jets do that, well, you're opening up a hole at center, but then maybe you bring back Connor McGovern, you probably get him on the cheap, and then you know suddenly that $8 million can be spent on something else. So that, that would be the other option with Tomlinson. In fact, that might even be my preferred option. I, I kind of like the idea of Vera Tucker and Tippmann at guard better than I like the idea of Vera Tucker at center or Tippmann, or Vera Tucker at tackle or Tippmann at center. Uh, so that is one option if the Jets decide to go that route. I'm not sure they will, though, because I think they want to keep Tipman at center, and I think they might want to avoid uh, playing, uh, moving on from Tomlinson. The third guy, and I think this is the least likely of the three, C.J. Mosley. If the Jets cut him, they save $11 million against the salary cap. Now, again, he comes with a $10.4 million uh, dead bunny hit, and that's because, again, the Jets kept restructuring his deal. Jets kept lowering his short-term cap hit while the, the bill's coming due this year. So mostly saves $11 million against the cap. That actually could be a spot where the Jets save money because linebackers in this NF, in this league uh, tend not to be overly expensive. You can get a decent linebacker on the cheap, so the Jets could save money there. I don't think they'll do this, though. I think this is the least likely one, and I think it has things to do beyond Mosley's contract. Mosley's contract's terrible. It was one of the worst contracts Mike McCagnan gave out. It may have been the worst contract Mike McCagnan gave, gave out, and that's even with like Mosley winning the team MVP two years ago and making the Pro Bowl last year. And he probably should have made the Pro Bowl this year. Like, even though he's been a really good player, that contract was just so extreme that it still was a bad deal for the Jets. But I think the Jets really value what he brings in the locker room. You know, if you talk to anybody, they tell you he's a great locker room guy. He's a leader, a guy who takes young players under his wing. 
I think the Jets really liked Mosley on the field too. He's kind of like, you know, he's kind of the guy who runs points on the defense. He's kind of the coach on the field for Robert Sala. Uh, so I just don't think the Jets would do that in a year where they're trying to load up around Aaron Rodgers and what will likely be another win now year for this team. Are they going to take a linebacker they really like, a guy they view as an impact player off the field just to save cap space? I kind of doubt it. Now, there's one other thing to mention here. The Jets could cut these guys after June 1st. And if you cut a player after June 1st, you essentially can spread their you can spread the dead money out over multiple seasons. So you you still you, the amount of dead money stays the same over the long run, but a post June 1st cut spreads the dead money you owe a player over a couple of years. And if you do that, you increase the amount of savings. Mosley goes from saving $11 million against the cap if he's cut pre-June 1 to $17 million against the cap if he's cut after June 1st. Tomlinson goes from saving the Jets $8.1 million if he's cut before June 1st to $13 million if he's cut after June 1st. And Uzama goes from uh, saving about $5 million, or I'm sorry, $5.3 million if he's cut June 1st. He saves the Jets $8 million if he's cut after June 1st. So those are some options for the Jets. The only thing about that is that the extra cap space does not become available to the Jets until June 1st. So you so if you cut these guys and make them post-June 1st cuts, you can't use the extra cap space you get. The, the, it's kind of weird how it works. The dead money eventually stretches over two seasons, but it doesn't stretch to, to, for two seasons until after June 1st. So none of the extra money would be available to the Jets in free agency this year. It's just more of a method to get compliant with the salary cap. So that, that's one thing that adds complexity to this. And others just the Jets don't really have a lot of obvious cap, cap candidates. How about trades, however? There are a couple of players the Jets have who could conceivably have trade value. As we continue on this Monday edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast, I'll tell you who they are and how much money they would save if they're traded. This episode of Lockdown Jets is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season's wrapped up, and with it, the Jets season has wrapped up. But there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Again, that's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Jets are obviously not in the playoffs this year, but maybe that makes it easier to bet. When the Jets are bad, you kind of have to bet against them if you want to be the smart money. But with the Jets out, you don't really have as much of an interest in these games. So maybe you put some money down and you don't have to root against your favorite team. Again, FanDuel is offering 150 in bonus bets guaranteed if you place a $5 bet. The app is easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, and you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and there's more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Again, it's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Monday. We're talking about the Jets salary cap situation. How can the Jets clear out some cap space? One method might be to trade some players who have some value. There are a couple of guys on the defensive side of the ball who getting up there, you know, still in their prime, but probably near the end of their prime. And there was an iconic general manager from the Brooklyn Dodgers decades ago, Branch Rickey, one of the great executives in baseball history who and he, he was also GM of some other teams as well. He was GM of the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was, you know, he came from, he was spent some time with the St. Louis Cardinals. He always had an expression that it's better to play, trade a player a year too soon than a year too late. Because if you trade a player while he still has value, you get something in return. Even if you miss out on a year uh, on that guy playing well the next year, you at least get something of value in return. 
if you try and trade a player a year too late after he's shown that he doesn't have much left in the tank, well, that player leaves and you get nothing in return for him. I think about that principle with a couple of guys on the Jets defense. One is John Franklin Myers. Now, John Franklin Myers is, has been an excellent player with the Jets, one of the true success stories of Joe Douglas. I mean, you have to remember, the Jets got JFM as a waiver wire pickup. And you, know, you don't really have a lot of expectations for guys you claim off the waiver wire. These are guys who are cut by other teams. And maybe like they help you with depth. You know, Maybe, maybe they, they turn into a good backup. Jets have gotten a couple really good players off the waiver wire. Quincy Williams was another waiver wire pickup for the Jets. Jets got two quality defensive starters off the waiver wire. Might be the best thing Joe Douglas has done with the Jets is, is working the waivers. JFM entering the second to last year of his contract, getting into his late 20s. And while he was not bad this year, I don't think he played at the same level he has in the past. And I think that might be a sign that, you know, maybe his prime is starting to wane a little bit. Now, it also may just be a down year and he could bounce back. But I look at the Jets situation right now, the defensive line with a lot of talent. It would have a lot of talent without JFM. Now, he's a bit of a unique player. He's kind of like a power end. He's a guy who's built like a defensive tackle, but the Jets have him play defensive end more. So kind of a key part of Robert Sala's system. But I don't know that they just that they necessarily need a guy as big as JFM to play defensive end. I mean, if you watch Salah's mentor, Pete Carroll, through his career, he's constantly changed the alignments of his of his defensive linemen. There have been points where he's had a really big guy on defensive end, and then a year later, he's gone with a smaller guy at defensive end. You know, I don't know that it's necessarily a deal breaker. I don't know that Salah needs a like a defensive tackle type to, at the end of his line. Uh, JFM again plays a plays an important role because he can both play the run and get after the quarterback at his size from the defensive end position and play defensive tackle. But that's also why he might have some trade value. You know, you don't you don't get to trade guys who stink. If you want something good in return, you have to give up something of value. And with the Jets in their their cap situation as it is, and with the defensive line still an, an area with the team with a lot of talent, I wonder whether maybe this is a move the Jets pursue. Now, if the Jets play trade DF uh, JFM before. June 1st, which again, if you trade a guy after June 1st, it changes the everything with the cap. Jets could open up about $7.3 million in cap space. And again, this is a guy the Jets restructured multiple times last year. So $9 million in dead money, but opening up $7.3 million in cap space if you trade him. But unlike some of the other guys I mentioned, you'll get something in return because there's got to be a defensive line needy team out there that would love a player like John Franklin Myers because JFM's a really good player. And again, he's a versatile guy. He can play defensive end. He can play defensive tackle. He can slide all over the place. I think that there's a team out there that's going to give up an asset for him. So in this case, you lose a player, but you open up cap space and you get an asset in return. I don't love the idea. Look, if all things were equal, I would not do this. But for a team that's in desperate need of cap space, for a team that's in desperate need of offensive talent, for a team that has a surplus of talent on the defensive line, unfortunately, it might be something the Jets need to look into. And again, talking about unfortunate things, the next trade candidate I have is a guy I absolutely love, and that is DJ Reed. I'm a huge DJ DJ Reed fan. I've always been a huge DJ Reed, Reed fan since the Jets signed him. The challenge right now is that Reed is also getting into his late 20s, and I, I worry about how Reed is going to age because he's a kind of an undersized guy, and he makes up for his lack of size with his athleticism. Athleticism tends to be the first thing to go. I did not love the way Reed finished this season. If all things were equal, if the Jets had a stable cap situation, I'd be very happy to keep Reed around because he's an excellent number two corner. In fact, he allows the Jets to run their defense the way they want to. 
You know, they don't need to have Sauce Gardner follow the other team's best uh, receiver around because they know they can count on DJ Reed to hold up against most guys. And there are weeks where he struggles, like that, that week against Jalen Waddle in Miami. But for the most part, he holds up really well in those situations. Unfortunately, again, Jets' cap is not in a great spot. So you have to prioritize. And I look at the, the corner spot for the Jets. Well, they have Sauce Gardner, who may be the number one corner in the entire NFL. If you need to, you can have him follow guys around. You also have in the slot Michael Carter II, who's really a lockdown guy from the slot. So corner's going to remain a position of strength. If you wanted to, maybe you could bring back bring back Bryce Hall. I mean, you could. The thing is, you can get you might be able to get away with a Bryce Hall starting at corner or a Brandon Eccles because the other guys are so good that you can give you know whoever the other the, the second corner is some help. Now trading Reed doesn't save that much money. Again, it only saves six point three million dollars, nine point three million dollars in dead money. Again, like all these guys who are candidates, they have a lot of dead money because the Jets restructured deals last year to try and lower their cap hit in 23. Well, the, the bill's coming due in 24, but still $6.3 million. That's not a small amount of money. And again, Reed, a, a guy who's a, free, a really good corner, a guy who would be in the number one corner on a lot, of, a lot of teams, that's something with a lot of value in this league. And I think that that might be an area the Jets look to exploit because I bet you Reed could get you a pretty good pick. I think that this is this, he has a skill set that's coveted in the NFL. There aren't a lot of great cover guys in this league. So somebody who can legitimately cover at a high level like a TJ Reed will bring quite a bit of value. And again, you get two things in return. You lose a good player, but instead of just getting cap space, you get cap space and you'll probably get a decent pick. Now, of course, it also depends on how much teams are willing to offer. That, that will factor into any evaluation, whether you should trade a player. But TJ Reed could be a viable trade candidate for the New York Jets. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps us out, helps other Jets fans find the podcast. I hope you have a great Monday, everybody. I hope your week gets off to a wonderful start. And we'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.